So this morning, um, I'm going to bring a message that Pastor Ann said, look, just preach what's on your heart, because we've got a series. No, we haven't actually got a series. We've done lots of series through the year, but this, this uh, final few weeks of uh, 2022 is just a free format thing. So each of us, and Pastor PJ preached an amazing word last week, so please go online to our YouTube channel and check out what she had to say. So tonight, I, sorry, today I'm going to be speaking from my, what the Lord's really been speaking to me about. And I trust that it's a blessing and a challenge and an encouragement to you as well, as it is to myself. Okay, so so what I'm going to do is just really go through some of these slides. Those of you who have heard me speak on behalf of Creation Ministries or even in this church, you'll see several slides that I use quite a bit in my Creation Ministries messages. But this message today is very much an encouragement for each one of us. We stand at the beginning of a new year and only less than three weeks, or three weeks today I think it is, um, and so we've got different choices. Now, I'm not saying that New Year is when you actually make a choice to go this way and that, but ultimately we have waypoints like this sign up here. Uh, we get to a crossroads in life. Do we go that way or do we go this way or do we go that way? And so I'd like to just uh, throw some ideas out for you just to think about. I'm not telling you what to believe, but I want to encourage each of you in your decision points when you get to that crossroads of making a decision about what you're doing, where you're going, what you believe, that you'll think it through thoroughly. You won't just skip over it. So a bit of background for uh, why I'm presenting this little message this morning is almost exactly a year ago, my amazing mum, Helen, uh, it was actually on Christmas Eve 2021 that she, her life's journey on earth here came to an end and she went home to be with the Lord on Christmas Eve 2021. She was an amazing woman of God, you know, she just had lived her life out, she loved the Lord, she was an amazing mum and my dad as well, amazing man of God. They weren't perfect parents, but they were just, they loved us, they loved each other, they loved the Lord. And um, I just look back on the, the blessings of having godly parents, and you know, I am truly um, sport because of that, what God's done and showing me the way. So each one of us, we're on a journey, none of us are perfect, but I just trust that each one of us will think about our relationship with God. When I get to the end of the road, and when I'm whatever the Lord chooses my days are, that I'll get like mum, you know, that I will finish well, and, and same with dad, run the race, keep the faith. And uh, there's still work to be done. I'm not there yet. So, the whole thing about decisions, the next slide I have is really um, one I use a lot. And that is the big picture. This is big picture stuff, you know, like the life, the universe, and everything. So each of us have these three questions that we need to just think about sometime, whether we sit down deliberately and work through each one in order, ponder it through, and whether it's just something we push aside. We need to just work out what we believe about these three big questions. The first one, of course, is where did I come from? That's not just, you know, uh, short-term stuff. It's the big picture, the sweeping history that led up to me being here as a human being living on planet Earth. What's the big account of origins that led to me being here? And that leads on, what I believe about that will lead on to the second one about why am I actually here? You know, what's my purpose in life? Who am I? What's my identity? What's the, my reason for being? What do I... I look forward to, what do I fear, etc. All these things come out of or link to the answers to question number one. You know, why am I actually here? The meaning of life, I guess. And the third one, of course, we live in a, a fallen world and our bodies age and fall apart. Yes, even mine. Don't, don't laugh, okay. Um, so unless the Lord comes back beforehand, each of us will reach the end of the road like my dear mum did, and that's where we get to. So thinking about that too, one of the other um, significant life events I had recently, last weekend, we had my brother Ian and his wife Janelle came up from Nelson and stayed with us, and my cousin Matt came over from Australia. We had a fantastic time together, and then we all went a 
across to Papamoa and had an amazing long weekend of family celebration, extended family, with my aunt and uncle's 80th birthdays being a sort of the focal point. So we had about 60 rallies, you know, from aunts, uncles, cousins, a whole generational from babies up to 80 or so year olds. And for me, looking around my family, my extended family, I love them dearly. They're just an amazing bunch of people. Uh, again, all sorts of different journeys. But as I just thought about my family and looked at them, I've realised that you know, some of them are full-on believers in Jesus. They, they, they love him and are really vibrant in their faith. Other ones are devout atheists. They don't want to know anything about God. It's just not for them at all. And other ones you know, have walked with God. They've maybe been involved in Christian things, but now they've just drifted away and they're just sort of struggling with faith and all the big picture. So my family comprises a whole range of people with different stages on their spiritual journey. And I suddenly realised, thinking about my mum and thinking about my wider family, and I think the challenge for each of us is where do we deal with those questions about these three big questions? What's led up to what we believe? So these three big questions are really important, but what's way more important is, of course, the answers, the ones I actually accept from all the range of different things. We can have that answer here or maybe that one. We can actually then take a, a worldview. I believe this about this, and we'll form a, a picture of the world about what we mean about life, I guess, from the answers that we're given to these three big questions. So I'm going to throw a few things out there to think about what you really believe, what I really believe. So going back to question number one, where did I actually come from? And this ties into my ministry with Creation Ministries, about the options we have here. There's really only two options. The first one is if we believe the Bible, Genesis is the first book of the Bible, Origins, uh, Beginnings is what Genesis means, and chapter one, the very first chapter of the very first book of the Bible outlines in plain language, here's God creating the heavens and the earth and everything in them in six days, and on the sixth day, he created all the land animals and he created our original people and our original ancestors, Adam and Eve, real people living at a real point in history, having real children, doing real stuff, if you believe that. So that's one option you could choose for an answer to where did I come from. You're created by God, made in his image, and you're called to relationship with him, relationship to our fellow human beings, and we're also held to accountability for how we live our lives. That's option number one for what you could believe to your question number one. Where did I come from? I'm created. Okay, that's one choice we could have. If we then are brought up in New Zealand or any most Western countries, uh, we are given a, a different alternative in our school system, our education, etc. It looks something like this. Well, there's no, there's no God, but in the you know, billions, about 13.7 billion years ago, a singularity exploded, you know, formed hydrogen gas, and <clears throat> excuse me, over billions of years, that slowly formed, you know, uh, stars, galaxies, and over huge amounts of uh, evolution, biological, chemical, here you are. You're just the result of cosmic accidents, physics and chemistry over billions of years. Welcome to the world, successful accidents. You're not created, you just evolved. You're a result of evolution by chance, events over billions of years. Okay, so these are two very stark contrasts. Which one you believe will affect how you live your life. <coughs> Excuse me, didn't mean to do that on the sound, guys. Um, yeah, so one of the things about young people is that we have a lot of people really struggling with their faith, don't we? And they've done various surveys. In the Western world especially, you know, um, the USA, Canada, UK, Australia, New Zealand, right across the trend we see survey after survey showing that many young people are brought up in the Christian home, they go to church, they go to youth group, and um, 
At some point, they leave home, they go out to university especially, they go out to the world, go traveling, go flatting, and they then encounter all sorts of different um, temptations, pressures, worldview ideas that cause them to really struggle with their faith. And of course, I also ask the young people, why, do, why have you given up on Christianity or why are you not interested in Christianity if they're not a Christian? And the key thing they say is, there's lots of answers, well, there's no real God or we know it's a fairy tale, or I used to believe but I prayed and there isn't no one there, my mum still died of cancer and where's God? Um, well, there's lots of hypocrites in the church, you know, they all just um, putting on a mask, it's just irrelevant. These are all valid questions, you know, that people can have, but the number one reason that nearly all of them gave was about science. They said, well, science is proving the Bible wrong. How can we believe in a dusty old book of myths in the world of science? And so this is the number one reason given by young people in the Western world about why they don't believe in Christianity anymore or at all. Okay, so they don't believe in fairy tales. I want real evidence. So this is a struggle that young people have, and we need to understand where young people are at. They're bombarded with so many convincing-sounding ideas about why the Bible is not right and about why the evolutionary idea is true. That's why I do what I do with creation ministries, to equip believers in their own faith so they can reach out and encourage especially young people. But of course, the whole idea of evolution, you know, right from pond scum to people over billions of years of evolution, that's not the end of the story. Now, the whole picture of evolution affects everything in society. It's not just biology. It's everything, including our, um, our worldview about our laws, our media, our music, our politics. All these things are evolving. You know, they're continually in flux being redefined all the time. So now we have this idea of socio-cultural evolution, which is a big word, but it basically means that everything is evolving, everything is up for renewal, review, whatever the consensus is, go with the flow, you know? But there's no absolute truth anymore, you can't have objective truth, it's all subjective. If you believe that, Michael, that's great for you, I, I respect you, brother, but no, I believe this. And we have this very, very fluid idea of identity and morality. And uh, this gentleman here, Dr. Uh, Daniel Dennett, he's a very famous atheist. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't believe in God and he thinks that Christians are deluded. But he actually wrote a really interesting book back in the 1990s called Darwin's Dangerous Idea. So obviously Charles Darwin came up with the idea of um, you know, natural selection and mutation leading up to you know, billions of years of evolution. And you know, natural selection is a scientific thing, but the idea of pond scum to people goes against what we see in science. But um, Darwin saw this idea within his own context in the 1800s, but Daniel Dennett took it way further. He could see where things were going in society. And he came up with this idea, Darwin's idea. Again, it's like a seed idea, isn't it, that was formed, and it's grown over the decades or the centuries since Darwin. It's an unmistakable idea. It looks like a universal acid. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever done working on your car and you're working with car batteries. Back in the day, they used to sometimes leak a bit, and you get a bit of... Uh, battery acid on your trousers, you know, you wipe your hands. Within a few days, you've got a big hole in your trousers, they will fall apart. The acid just etches into everything, doesn't it? It just eats away. So he saw this idea. Darwin's idea has been expanded to eat into everything. And he said it eat, eats through just about every traditional concept and it leaves a revolutionised worldview. That's a big picture about how we see the world. It's been revolutionised. Most of the old landmarks are still recognisable, like church and morality and so on, but they've been transformed in fundamental ways. Now, since my childhood, back in the 60s and 70s, society is very different, isn't it? We've seen a radical review of how society works because of this evolutionary idea, eating into everything. So it really boils down to what's our authority when we base our lives on something 
What are we trusting as our point of truth, our point of authority? So I'll make it fairly simple. It's either God's word, and God is real, he's the creator, he's revealed some of his character and the history of the world in the Bible. He's the Holy Spirit-inspired writers to write that down, and we can use it to understand something of God in our purpose. Or that's complete rubbish, and we go to something else. So it's either God's word or not. Okay, It's just a, a straightforward decision point we have to make is, what do we trust? What do we base our lives on? God and his word or not? So this next little uh, picture I've got, many of you may have seen this, I've used it quite a bit. And this is the idea of you know, ideas have consequences, so it's not so much about creation and evolution, they're just really, not, not, side, not side issues, but they are secondary to this idea of what's my authority, uh, authority I base my lives on. So here we have, again, if people believe God's word, you know, God is real, he's revealed himself in the Bible, and it's like the instruction book of life. Therefore, creation is real. Creation is how we came about to be through our creator God. And then the Judeo-Christian worldview is anchored into this idea of God's truth and creation. And so if we live consistently with that, and I want to really emphasize consistently, if we love God and we've been transformed by uh, accepting Jesus into our heart, he's made us a new creature, a new creation, then we will actually live our lives in a way that's going to be a blessing. We'll follow the instruction book. Therefore, society, you know, crime, or people will uh, trust other people. You know, they're not going to take what's not theirs. Employers and employees, we're going to have good relationships. You know, people paying a fair wage for a fair day's work. There's going to be respect both ways. We're going to steward the planet wisely, not worship it, but not trash it. Um, We're going to have strong marriages. We're going to have all these sort of things come out of a Christian worldview if we live consistently with that teaching in God's instruction book. Now, do some people who say they're Christians let the side down? Absolutely. You know, I, I know many things in the news at the moment grieves me. People who are, you know, church or religion or Christianity gets a bad rap, doesn't it? People have let the side down, abuse and all sorts of hypocrisy. That's uh, terrible, and we need to address that. But that's not being consistent with God's teaching, is it? See, so people aren't being consistent with that worldview. On the other hand, though, if God's not real, the Bible's not true, then we decide truth. Man is God. We are the most evolved accident. Therefore, we are the pinnacle of evolution. Therefore, we can choose what's right and wrong, and it will keep developing and evolving. And so evolution is the only origin story that's credible in that worldview. And then we see secular humanism especially is the religion. It is a religion. It's anchored into the soil of evolution and man-making truth. And again, if people are consistent with this, why not just get what you can, you know? If somebody gets in your way up the ladder of life, get them out of the way. Rip people off if it helps you get a bigger bank balance, or etc. Uh, life is cheap. You know, if, if things are inconvenient, you can always you know, get rid of an unwanted life or whatever. We see that um, marriage and relationships are really fluid. We can define this or define that or whatever. You know, free love and so on. There's no real boundaries. We see racism too. Some races are less evolved than other ones. Therefore, we can choose people of a different skin color, you know, they're not as smart as we are, so racism is amplified by evolutionary thinking. So again, if people are consistent with this worldview, we see the fruit in society, don't we? So I'm not saying that uh, atheists are bad people. You know, I know many atheists who are wonderful people who do good things, but how do they define what is good and why do they do what is good? Maybe it's because they are created in God's image and have a conscience, even if they deny it. And they also have been brought up in a society where the Ten Commandments still had some sway. So people have an inherent idea of right and wrong, even if they deny that God's the creator. 
And so, again, are they being consistent with an evolutionary dog-eats-dog type worldview, or are they not? And maybe borrowing from Christian principles as well. So anyway, these are things that we can see. Either man's God or God is God. And we see the fruit in society. And so you know, our government are trying so hard to deal with all the social issues we have, throwing billion, you know, millions of dollars at different things. And I, I think you know, we have to do some things. But ultimately, they're denying the fact it's a spiritual issue. At the root, family breakdown, crime, poverty, injustice, all come from a spiritual root that we're dysfunctional in our relationship with God and with each other. But that's not very PC, is it, to say it's a spiritual issue? That's where we're called to be salt and light and to share the gospel in a loving way. Okay, so it's interesting. This uh, A.C. Grayling was a, is, a, is a famous atheist in the UK, and he actually had a very interesting interview back in 2011. He said, talking about the UK, you can see that we don't really believe in God anymore because of all the CCTV cameras watching us. You see, when there's no divine hand on the shoulder, there's no conscience or check, no moral compass, we need to be watched. We need to be you know, che- checked on to make sure we're not straying from the whatever. You see? So yeah, because God's not there, we need some other way of keeping us in line. Now I know over the years, you know, I've done plenty of things I'm not proud of, but right through my life of, of being a follower of Jesus, I've always had that gentle hand on my shoulder saying, you know, there's a sense of accountability. If I went down that track, I eventually have to account for what I've done. And so that certainly held me back from some of the worst excesses I potentially could have done. So thank you, Lord, for that. You know, we have that sense of divine hand on the shoulder that keeps us on the straight and narrow. So what about this whole thing? People obviously, evolution, cold, indifferent evolution is very you know, clinical, isn't it? There's no purpose, no, uh, you know, no hope. Just the whole universe is full of indifference. That's what uh, Richard Dawkins said. But people deep down, we know that something more than just physics and chemistry. There's some spiritual need we have. So who's heard of the Beatles? Anyone hear of the Beatles here? You have? Okay. Yelta, you know? You being an inverted 17 know about the Beatles, yep. Okay. So one of them in particular was a gentleman called George Harrison. He passed away in 2003. And here he is. Uh, I really, uh, you know, he was on a spiritual journey. He was, you'd think the Beatles were one of the most famous bands ever. Hugely rich, hugely famous. And yet here he is, a spiritual emptiness. And here's a quote from George Harrison. He said, in the end, you're trying to find God. It's the result of not being satisfied. It doesn't matter how much money or property or whatever you've got, like fame and so on, unless you're happy in your heart, then that's it. Okay, that's a cry for, for, for purpose, isn't it? It's a spiritual request he had. And of course, he and the Beatles went off to India and they got involved with the, uh, the yogis and the whole thing of transcendental meditation and Eastern religions, the you know, whole thing of being connected with the universe and the consciousness. And we're seeing that more and more now that Society within the Western world is divided into either rank atheism, there is no God, there is no supernatural, it's all just physics and chemistry, or the other way, which is the cosmic um, new age, I guess. There's no reality, it's all an illusion, isn't it? We're all connected to the universe, and we have this contrast. Both hate biblical Christianity, but they're completely opposite in their spiritual worldview. So George went on in a different interview, and he said, all religions are branches of one big tree, it doesn't matter what you call God as long as you call. So he's saying, you know, you have a spiritual hunger, call out to God, Allah, you know, Krishna, whatever you want. Just as long as you call out to God, you're good to go. But he then said, interestingly, he said then that cinematic images, like movies, appear to be real, but they're really only combinations of light and shade. So is the universal variety a delusion. 
So he's really saying there's no such thing as truth. We can't really know God. We just can, it's the journey. We're reaching out to truth. And so there's no end. There's no real truth. We just need to be on a journey of reaching out to God, whatever you call God. See, you can see that it's just basically no fulfillment in his worldview, was there? He had a spiritual hunger, but Eastern religion did not give him the fulfillment he longed for. But you see, he also disconnected from biblical Christianity. Well, that's just ridiculous. It's been proven wrong. I'll try to find hope somewhere else. So briefly touching on this whole thing about, what about all religions? You know, Christianity is actually quite exclusive in some ways, isn't it? People say, well, you Christians say that Christianity is true and other religions are false. The Bible is the word of God, but the Vedas or the Quran are not the word of God. You know, that's pretty um, you know, bigoted, isn't it? And ignorant and, and it's almost hate speech, isn't it? This idea of you're exclusive, you've got the truth. But, of course, if we look at that, there is only one truth if we believe the Bible and believe God. Here's Jesus himself when he's talking with his disciples. And Thomas said to him, you know, Jesus, you know, Lord, we don't know where to go. Like George Harrison, he, he knew Jesus, but where do we go? Where are you going? What's happening? He was reaching out for meaning. He was reaching out for direction in his life. And Jesus come back, comes back to the core here. He actually says, um, this is the way. Jesus said to them, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. See, so in Thomas's desire to know the way, the truth, Jesus is saying, I am. I am God. You know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you know me, you'll know the Father. So Jesus has been very exclusive there, isn't he? He's saying that you know, there's only one way to God, and that's through him. And so, yeah, it's, that's what is taught in the Bible, and that's what Jesus himself said, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to see the Father, look at me. I am a reflection of the Father. You know, I am the creator, I am the saviour. So just um, coming back to the Bible then, so obviously Jesus said I'm the only way, the truth and the life. What about the Bible? Is that an exclusive book? Is it trustworthy? So many people look at the Bible and go, oh, it's irrelevant. You know, it's a, it may have been useful back in the day when people were fairly ignorant. You know, they would look at the Bible and didn't know any better. But we now know that it's, it's out of date Science and modern thinking has actually supplanted the Bible. So people say it's outdated and irrelevant. It's written by ignorant shepherds. You know, thousands of years ago in the desert, in the Middle East somewhere, they had their worldview, they did their best, but you know, we're, we're way smarter than them. And of course, the key thing is people say, well, the Bible's anti-science. You know, how can you be a believer in the Bible and actually do science? Well, as many of you know, I'm an electronics engineer. I love science and technology. I work in earth science. I love the Lord as well. I see the Bible as being very, very credible in a worldview of science. Of course, the whole thing about the Bible is intolerant and bigoted. It's all about a power thing, trying to hold people into suppression, you know, women or different races. You know, the whole Bible is a, a book of um, oppression and patriarchy and uh, misery, you know, slavery and all that stuff. But when you look at it in its entirety, you realize that that's actually completely false. And we've done some great uh, series here like God Behaving Badly, where we've looked at each of these different areas. Is God homophobic? Is he bigoted? Is he misogynistic? All these things, we see that, no, God is absolutely loving. He's absolutely merciful. And he actually, Christianity lifts people out of poverty. It lifts women up and elevates them. It brings, breaks down slavery. It breaks down uh, ill health, you know, with schools and hospitals come out of a worldview based on the Bible. And last, of course, is it talks about contradictions. Oh, the Bible's full of contradictions. You know, this verse contradicts that verse, etc. If anyone mentions that to you, just say, well, can you give me some examples? 
often you find um, it's an easy thing to throw out there. If they do have ones that seem a contradiction, there are many, many good answers to why they're not actually contradictions at all. You have to read things within context. Okay, so I just want to get to the pointy end of the message now. So a bit of worldview uh, background there. So we have to realize there are choices to make about what we believe and why. But if we look at things overall, we say, can we trust the Bible? So I like to use the analogy that the Bible is like the manufacturer's manual for life. So here's our trusty Toyota Corolla. We have a great Corolla. Good cars they are. Go the Toyotas. Um, it's the car your nana would buy, people say. And now that Desmond's a nana, she's got a Corolla. <laughs> but, no, it's, but it comes with a manual. That's in the glove box. There's my manual. And you'll see, again, if you open it up, it gives you a bit of an outline about Toyota, the company, a bit of their background, talks about your car, the different features, how to service it and how to drive it to, to have a good outcome with your vehicle. But on the front there in small letters, it says, for your safety and comfort, read carefully and keep in the vehicle. So if we use the analogy of the Bible being our instruction book of life from our manufacturer... If we read it and keep it close to us, we'll do well. Our vehicle of life will go better than if we ignore it. So I've actually got a talk uh, that I do about why we can trust the Bible. It goes into a lot more depth than I have time for today. But we can trust it, and we know that God's word is, is realistic. Okay, so again, I haven't got time today, but when we go through things, the Bible absolutely stands up to scrutiny in areas where it speaks about geology or biology and archaeology. All these things focus on the Bible being very credible and stacking up against all sorts of sceptical attacks on it. And um, I really encourage you to see God's Word as reliable. It's amazing how it took 1,600 years to write the Bible, over 40 authors all put together. And the great thing is it's over right through history, the Bible, the Gospel has transformed societies right around the world, right through history from you know, the ancient uh, Egyptian, sorry, uh, Jews and so on, right through the whole history, the Romans, and right through all of the modern era. Society after society has been transformed by the gospel itself. And we also saw modern science rose out of a biblical worldview. This is actually an amazing picture. This is showing the cross-referencing within the Bible. So here's the Bible from Genesis through to Revelation, 66 books. But if you actually analyse it, you have um, the blue lines going forward in prophecy from the Old Testament through to the New Testament, and you have quotations going back, so later writers quoted from the earlier uh, scriptures. Look at the amazing unity of the Bible, isn't it? You imagine 40 different people, 40 very different people across 1,600 years, and you've got this book that's amazingly well integrated. No human authors could ever cook that up and make it happen like that. We just, so for me, that's an affirmation that it's been inspired by God through human authors. So just um, talking again about this whole thing about salvation, you know, George Harrison looking for salvation, looking for meaning in life, looking for happiness in his gurus and in his um, search for Eastern religions. But the Bible is clear that it's actually, we're all in the same boat. Every one of us as human beings, as descendants of Adam and Eve, we are lost, we're fallen, we're less than perfect. So none of us, no matter how good we think we are, can ever be good enough to save ourselves. No matter how hard we try to, to be good or to follow the Quran and all the pillars of Islam or to, to do meditation and chants and so on, none of us can be good enough to ever get back to God and be right in our own strength. We're all lost, folks. Uh, that's about as good as it gets. Shall I leave now? Oh, this is where God comes in. Jesus himself, the creator, he stepped down and became one of us. We're related to Jesus through blood, through 
the lineage back to Adam and Eve, the original tipuna. So Jesus, through his line, through Mary, his mother, is fully human. And of course, from the Holy Spirit, um, basically incarnate, you know, born, uh, conceived of a virgin, he is fully God. Therefore, he's able to pay the price for the sins of the whole world across all of history, but he's also able to play that blood sacrifice because he is, has that blood connection to us. He's our kinsman redeemer. So thank you, Lord. You provided a way out of my lostness. I can't save myself, but you have saved me. So thank you, Lord. You've given me a purpose and a hope. And talks here about true salvation. It's not trying to find truth through gurus and you know, whatever it is. It's about a free gift of God, isn't it? Yeah. By grace, we've been saved through faith. So all we have to do is believe and accept that gift from Jesus. You know, we are saved by grace. This is not your own doing. This is a gift of God. It's not the result of works so that we can boast. So again, if we save ourselves by my efforts, we are then, you know, we can be proud. Oh, I'm a good person. I've not killed anybody. I've not done this and that. No, we're all in the same boat and we need a saviour. But also, many people say, oh, religion, religion poisons everything. Uh, you know, the whole thing of religion causes all the problems in the world, which is actually completely false. But religion itself, cold, um, fundamental religion, can be very destructive. So it's actually about relationship, isn't it? It's not about religion doing things by a set of rules. It's about relationship with God and with each other. So when we look at it, again, coming back to John 3, 16 and 17, it's very, very clear, this well-known verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. See, he loved that relationship connection. He loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's the well-known verse. But that verse 17 is often overlooked. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order the world may be saved through him. Isn't it? So how deep a relationship can God have with his creation than to give himself everything? God could not hold anything back. Yeah. So that's amazing, isn't it? That we are not saved by our own efforts. We're saved by a God who made a way for us. But we have a choice, don't we? Do we believe that or reject it? So one of the scriptures we use a lot in our creation ministries messages is for each one of us as believers, if we're on that journey, we, we believe Jesus and we have accepted him, we have a testimony. We have a personal account that we can share about what God has done in my life. We're not there yet fully, but we do have an account of what we've done. But the key is, of course, is to uphold God, you know, first of all. So uphold Jesus as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the hope that you have. So each one of us in this turbulent world, if we believe him, we have a hope the world cannot give. So why are you not freaking out by the whole world falling apart? Well, let me tell you about what Jesus has done in my life. That's where we can share our testimony with other people. But the key thing is to always do it with gentleness and respect, isn't it? No one wants a, a Bible-bashing, legalistic, you dirty sinner, whack, whack, you know. We need to realize that we're all on the same journey. We're all less than perfect. We're like beggars pointing other beggars to where there is bread. So always be ready to share your faith in an open, just be yourself. You don't have to go through some spiel. Just talk naturally about what God has done in your life. Okay, so I just want to close this up with how, where do we go from here and how do we get answers? So I'll put my Creation Ministries hat on briefly. So creation.com, we're going to have our series in January going through difficult questions. Well, creation.com is an amazing resource for you to use from Creation Ministries. Thousands of different articles covering a whole spectrum of questions theological, scientific, 
about the Christian faith, about the Bible, whether it's credible or not. So I really encourage you just remember creation.com, use the search engine, uh, heaps of stuff there for you to, to research and to share, to build up your faith. And lastly, of course, if you are a young person, I'm a young person at heart, but no, I'm not a young person <clears throat> as far as my studies go, but if you've got young people, you've got children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, whatever, finishing up this academic year and going out to university, especially next year, or going out flatting or leaving home, really encourage you to um, come and see me afterwards. If you've got somebody you'd like to bless with one of these, I've got a number of them over on the table. I'd love to give you one to hopefully encourage young people as they step out from the, I guess, the shelter of a Christian home, whatever they're doing, going out into the big world, especially university, especially when they do science, philosophy, humanities, they're going to be under attack. But this is a great little book to tell you how to keep your faith, but also how to do really well in your studies, not to deny God, but also to embrace or to embrace what's been taught, but you can still pass your exams with flying colours and come out with a strong faith and a degree or whatever. So come and see me afterwards if you've got young people who will be blessed by this little book. Okay, team, we're going to finish up with, I've got some homework questions for you, okay? These are things that I'm, I'm going to ask myself again. As we roll up to the end of the year, we start to get uh, past all the, the rush and busyness of got to be done by Christmas, go, go, go. Once we get into the Christmas, New Year, and into the holidays, just take some time aside to think about these three, these few questions here from your own point of view. Be honest about the answers you give to yourself. First of all is, what do I, what do I really believe about where I came from and why am I here? Okay, no matter whether you believe creation and the whole thing or whether you don't. Just be honest about what do I really believe about those two questions. Where did I come from and why am I actually here? What's my purpose and my direction in life? And secondly, why do I actually believe those answers are true? So we can often think, oh, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I believe God. I accepted Jesus. It's just almost like a, a stone skipping across a lake. We have a very shallow understanding. Get down a bit deeper and say, why do I really believe? If I was in a court of law being interrogated or cross-examined by a, a judge, what would I say to back up the reasons that I say I believe. Okay, So what do I believe and why? And of course also, uh, am I really certain about where I'm going to go? If I was to have an accident today or something, a heart attack or something, do I really know, absolutely know, beyond any shadow of a doubt that I'll be with God in the future? Or do I have doubts about that? Or do I, not, I believe that's not an option at all? Whatever you believe, do you know where you're going? Are you certain about where you're going in eternity? And lastly, of course, relationship, religion thing, do you actually know Jesus personally? You, can, you know, you know. yes, I, I know Jesus personally. He's changed my life. I'm still developing my relationship with him. Or I know about Jesus. He was a good guy. You know, he did some stuff. So do I know Jesus or do, do I know about him? So I really encourage you as we close up now just to think about these questions. And if you maybe on that journey, you're still struggling with faith, you know, it seems a bit weird, just really pray that each of you at some point will come to that point of just saying, yep, I accept that I don't know it all, but God's word does seem credible. I feel that tug of the Holy Spirit to come into relationship with Jesus.